All right. Um, I'd like you to consider with me a passage from the Bible, from the New Testament this time, from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. And um, we're continuing our catechetical series, our teaching series on the fundamentals of the faith. And we're going to be taking a look really at what it means that Jesus is the Son of God, really just touching on that, but especially focusing on what it means that as Christians we are called in the Bible sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're looking at this really beautiful teaching called um, simply adoption. Now before we um, read from uh, the book of Romans, just a couple of things before we begin. Um, first of all, you know, I was noticing this morning as, uh, you know, after the worship service, how we interact with each other and also just um, how a number of the, the women were just taking oh, ice cream things and popsicles and making, making worship a special day on this warm day. And um, so many of you uh, contribute to the ministry of this church in various ways. Um, I think of Scott and Mary in the back who contribute with the sound system and just, you know, we could start listing all kinds of things. And you need to be encouraged in that. Remember that as a new church, we've got to be all in to what we're doing here and for those who are contributing and who may be asked to contribute in the future. Um, just want to encourage us to keep doing precisely that. We all, we all need encouragement. Now, a second thing is this, before we read very quickly, um, it, I don't have to tell you, and I don't want to keep putting this in your mind, it's a warm afternoon, we're not usually accustomed to this, and we don't have, like, air conditioning. And um, so, uh, just to kind of give you an insight uh, for me, and that is, I don't always do well when it's warm, I kind of lose my, my ability to concentrate. Like this morning, you know, it's cooler, so you'll see many times, you know, many times I have people say, we well, don't really look down all that much at your notes, you know, you don't lecture, and I, you know, thank you, but... There's a lot of work behind that. It doesn't come naturally to me. And when it gets hot, then the, the concentration level kind of goes down. So bear with that. You know, once a warm day, just remember that. And I know it's kind of difficult for you. And I asked a couple of the elders beforehand. I said, you know, um, I'm, I'm all prepared. I got my whole sheet ready and for discussion questions. I said, uh, I talked with them about this. And they were kind of like, you know what? Um, it, might, it might be best, you can go one way or another, but it might be best just when it gets warm like this, just to forego the discussion questions because it is, it is warm and uh, let the people uh, use their main energies just to, to concentrate on the preaching. So that's what we're going to do, but we'll pick up on the discussion matter the next time that we meet. Okay, so I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. I want to begin reading at verse 12 and just read through verse 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, notice especially verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. Now, I want to draw your attention to 
question answer 33, right? We're focusing now on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we confess Jesus Christ in the Apostles' Creed as the only begotten Son of God. Well, what does that mean? So here's the question. Why is he, that is Jesus, called God's only begotten Son since we are also children of God? Let's give the answer together. Because Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God, we, however, are children of God by adoption through grace for Christ's sake. Now, one of the operative words in this answer is the word adoption. So it says that Jesus Christ alone is eternal. That's one description of Jesus. He is eternal. You and I are not eternal in the sense of having no beginning and no end. Only Jesus is that way. So when the Bible refers to Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, uh, uh, Omega, the beginning and the end, it's really talking about not Jesus' beginning like he's a creature. That's a doctrine of Jehovah Witnesses. Jesus is not made. Jesus is fully God. That means he is eternal. He has no beginning, no end. And he is the one and only Son of God, naturally speaking. You and I, by nature, are not natural children of God, but we might call ourselves supernatural children of God where God supernaturally, by means of his spirit, gives us the gift of faith that we express in Jesus Christ, whereby we die to ourselves and we embrace Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. And when we do that, then we become God's children. He becomes our father and we become his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters by way of, here's that term, adoption. Now, I don't, um, I'm not sure, I haven't looked at the book table lately. I don't think we have the book there. Maybe we do. It's the book, it's well known to a number of us. It's called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And there's a chapter in that book simply entitled The Sons of God, which really it's about the doctrine of adoption. And it's a beautiful doctrine. And in that chapter, J.I. Packer says, you know, it's rather interesting that if there is one doctrine, or if there's one teaching of the Christian faith, that oftentimes is, you know, maybe recognized at times, but not really dealt with. Um, it's the doctrine of adoption. We don't give it as much airtime, so to speak, as we should. But our catechetical series uses that word, so we're going to deal with it as well. And the Bible speaks very frequently about it. And, and we need to embrace it, and we need to understand it and embrace it, because it's one of the most comforting teachings in all of the Bible. Okay? So with that having been said, I wanna, I'm going to... Um, lead you to some scriptures in just a moment, but um, kids, I want you to listen to this, okay? I want you, I'm going to tell you a story here, and it's a true story, um, and a kind of one that illustrates the beauty of adoption. Um, in, in February uh, 8 of 1964, there was a little girl, a true story, a little girl that was born in Detroit, Michigan. She was born just one day after the, the Beatles, as a rock group, launched their first American tour. So it was right around that time, and uh, her mother was a high school senior, and she wasn't, you know, obviously married, still going to school, and she became pregnant, and she just felt like most high school girls at that point, not ready to have um, a child, and not ready to be married. So she decided to give that child up for adoption. So um, an adoption agency took over, and I don't 
know if they have this in Canada, but in the U.S., it was, it was a very well-known agency in special reform circles called Bethany Christian Services. Do you have that here, Bethany Christian Services? I don't know. Anyway, and so that service took this child over, and in the first opening months of this little baby's, baby girl's life, she, she lived with the foster family for a number of months. And all the way far away in North Dakota, there was a pastor and his wife who, who wanted to have children, and they couldn't have kids. And so after, I think it was like six or seven years of not being able to have children, they decided to adopt. And so they went through Bethany Christian Services as a Christian organization, and they found this girl. And they, so they worked it out, and they got all the paperwork, and the time came for them to go from North Dakota to Michigan. And so they got in the car, and they're driving along, and both of them are kind of you know, this is a big deal, right? And our first child, and the child by way of adoption, and the, and the wife says, oh, I don't know, I'm not feeling so well. And, and so anyway, they just kept driving, and they got to the state of Michigan, and that child was living with a foster family in western Michigan, not in Detroit anymore. And so the adoption agency came out with this little baby, and the, the blanket was over the baby, and they peeled away the blanket, and that couple, the pastor's wife, looked at that baby, and that baby looked up at them, and the baby just gave them a really big smile, and their heart was knit to that child, and they named that child Joy. And that's the story of my wife. Now, did you know that? I think some of you did. You probably knew where I was going. Some of you didn't. Okay, kids, that's the story of your dad. So your pastor's wife is adopted, okay? And, uh, oh, by the way, I, I don't know if Joy shared this with you, but when, when her adoptive mother said, I'm not feeling well, she was actually pregnant at that point. That's why she was not feeling well, right? So, so and, and, and here's a providential thing, is that if they would have figured out that she was, she was pregnant, you know, sometime before that, they probably would not have proceeded with the adoption. Oh, incredible story, right? Um, the providential ways and the gracious ways of, of, of God. And, you know, it's, it's a unique story, and I love to tell that story. But, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's not also a very unique story because it's a story that every Christian is able to tell. Every Christian, and, and you think about it, if we give an evangelistic witness, try to remember the story of adoption, and you can talk with the person and say, do you know I'm adopted? Really? What's, you know, what's the story of your adoption? Well, <laughs> I'm, adopt, I'm an adopted child of my heavenly father, and, and I became his child. I became his son or daughter through faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm a Christian. That means I'm adopted. Are you adopted? You know, that kind of thing. But it's, it's a beautiful story. And it's a story that the Bible teaches us. Listen to the text again from uh, Romans chapter 8. It goes like this. For you did not receive a spirit of uh, slavery, again, leading to fear. And when it's talking about slavery, it's talking about being just slaved and wrapped up in a life that's lived apart from God, which, which really, that, that, leads, that just leads to an enslaved life, right? So we, we, are, we've, we have not received a spirit of slavery, you know, leading to fear, fear of judgment in the midst of our sin. But no, there's good news. We have received a spirit of adoption as sons, and we could say also as daughters, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, that, that Abba, Father is a beautiful thing. It's, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. It's a, it's, it's a personal term where God is not just a sovereign God up there, but he is, he is sovereign, but he's, he's also so close to be our Father. Now, if you grow up with that, you kind of become accustomed to that kind of concept 
But if you did not grow up in the Christian faith, and by God's grace you come to faith in Jesus Christ, then you realize suddenly, you know what? All my life I've always, many people say this, all my life I always, though I was not a Christian, I always believed in a God, but he was always just out there. But now I understand through faith in Jesus Christ, but he's as close as here. He's my father. He's not my God, but he's my father. Now, that's, that's found in the book of Romans. If you put up those other scriptures on the... There you go. Mm, no, the one before, please. There you go. Here it comes from Galatians chapter 4, 4 and 5. For you were once enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that is, under the demands of the law, to redeem those under those demands of the law, which nobody can fulfill, right? So then the law becomes a curse, so that we might receive adoption as sons. There's that word adoption again. Now, Ephesians 1 verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So actually, though the, the, the teaching of adoption is not always preached with all that much frequency, it's found throughout the Bible. And, that's, and, and not just in the Bible, but actually the church through all its years have been confessing this teaching of adoption. For instance, um, the Heidelberg Catechism. Again, I'll just repeat that without going into big explanation. Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. But here's the thing. When through faith you become united to Christ, then you also, you and I also then becomes, become sons of God or sons and daughters of God. So only Jesus is the Son of God, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we follow in his footsteps as also those who are called sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Okay? Now, one other place uh, I want you to take a look at, and this comes from, if you go on to the next one, please. Um, okay. This comes from a, a document that our Presbyterian brothers and sisters will confess. We have what are called our confessional standards of the Heidelberg Catechism, the Belgic Confession, and the Canons of Dort. Those from conservative Presbyterian backgrounds subscribe to what we call the Westminster Standards. Now, this also speaks about adoption. All those who are justified, you know what that means? It means to be declared in right standing with God through faith in Christ Jesus. All those who are justified, God makes partakers of the grace of adoption through faith in Jesus Christ. God puts his name on them, and they receive the privileges of being his children, such as bold access to his throne of grace, pity, protection, provision, chastening, sealing of his spirit, and the assurance of everlasting life. So, I mean, if you think about it, there's all kinds of privileges, right, of being a child of God, which the Westminster Confession of Faith just described. Just says, a child is taken out of the foster care system and, and is adopted into the family. Certainly, there are more privileges of belonging to an adoptive family than being in the foster care system, right? Now, if you allow this to sink in, you know, really sink in, then what happens is that you, you get the idea that this is this is pretty incredible. In, in, in some ways, if you're really honest with yourself, you go, this is, this is almost too good to be true, right? Um, you know, that, that, that God is that close. I, I remember when, uh, years ago, when one of our daughters was going through a particularly uh, 
serious struggle with faith, and Joy reminded me of this last week. I'd forgotten about this, but she said, in the midst of her struggle, she said, you know, sometimes God just seems too big to think about. He just seems too big to think about. And I don't know if you ever get that, but sometimes when you really ponder who God is, he is almost too, too big, too big. But, but here's the thing, he is big. He's the sovereign creator of the heavens and the earth, right? Sovereign and majestic in the heavens, the great king of the universe. I mean, how do you wrap your mind around that? And yet, what the Bible also teaches us is that though God is sovereign at the same time, God is personal and he is close. As close as a father, a good father, a good father is to his children, right? And, and in a way, in a way that our ancestors, our spiritual ancestors of the Old Testament, really, I don't think we could really fully identify with in the way that we can here in the New Testament period. Let, let me explain real quickly about what I mean by that. I don't know if you know this, but in the, in the Old Testament, you will not find the name of God the Father very often. In fact, it's only mentioned 14 times. And even then, never really in a personal sense. So... Um, God will refer to the nation of Israel as his firstborn son. Okay, so there's, there's the idea of father and son. Um, also, um, it's the prophet Isaiah who, who speaks about God as, and it's the plural, our father. But never do you find a Jew in the Old Testament speaking about God in very personal terms as God is my father, kind of in an individual sense. And we get some, so, so what that does, when you look at the Old Testament, though God loved his people, and although they knew God, they didn't understand him and, and experience him in, in the same way, in the same personal, intimate way that they do in the New Testament. And that is characterized by the curtains of the temple. Remember that? There were, there were a number of curtains in the temple, but there were two main curtains between three major sections of the temple, which is a place of worship, right? So you have the outer courtyard with a curtain that separated the outer courtyard from the holy place where the priests could go. The people couldn't go there. Only the priests could go there. And then you have over here, separated by yet another curtain, the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And that's where God dwelt above the, of, um, above the Ark of the Covenant. And I don't, you remember this, right? That no one, no one could go into the most holy place except the high priest. Not just any priest, but the high priest. And that too, once a year on Yom Kippur, and not without properly preparing himself, and the Bible explains a lot of little details about how the high priest is to prepare himself to go into the most holy place, to be in the presence of God. Do you see the distance there? you see the barriers there? All right, more could be said about that. But in the New Testament, what happens is that Jesus Christ, he comes on the scene, and Jesus is sent by God the Father himself as the Son of God, the natural Son of God, in order to secure the redemption and the forgiveness of God's people through his sacrifice on the cross. And when he does that, when he, when he gives of his life, and those whom God has chosen through the gift of faith express repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, it is it is something beautiful. They enter now into this very personal relationship with God where God becomes their father 
and they become his sons and they become his daughters. And how beautiful, really, is that. And yet, sometimes, I think, as, as God's children, um, we're not always fully appreciative, nor do we always feel the intimacy with the Father that, that we should have. It's kind of like, like, you know, you're walking along and you see this, this fruit tree and it's filled with fruit and the fruit is just low and it's hanging and you see the fruit and you can smell the fruit from afar, but you just don't go up to the fruit and take the fruit and taste of the sweetness, the sweetness of that, of that fruit. I think there's a lot of times in our lives where, for whatever reason, God, God appears to be rather, rather distant, right? And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. I remember um, there's a story of a man named uh, Jack Miller who was a seminary, uh, I was just reading it again this past week, he was a seminary professor, and he, he married a girl named Rose Marie, and I think it was when they were, their, they were in their 50s, they decided to go to Uganda in Africa in order to minister among orphans there, and it was a huge change for them. And Rose Marie was going through some real difficult time uh, adjusting uh, to, to Africa and to Uganda. And um, there was a point where they had a little bit of a furlough, and they were in Switzerland just taking a little bit of a break. And Jack found his wife just crying her eyes out, and she really got frustrated. And he says, why? she said, why can't I love these people more? I mean, what's wrong with me? And Jack said to his wife, he said, you know, um, why is it, Rosemary, that you sometimes live like an orphan? <laughs> you're a child of God. Sometimes, man, you live like you're an orphan. Don't you know that your father loves you and that you are his child and that he has promised you his love and care and protection and provision for every stage of life. Don't you know that? Don't you know that? And, and don't you know that he partners with you and he will give you everything that you need? And it was, it was hard for her to take at that point, but, but she began to realize that what he was saying was really true, not just because he said it, but because it was from the Bible, right? And I don't know if, if you can ever um, identify with Rosemarie where sometimes you, you go through life and it just seems like, you know what? You're actually an orphan. You know? You're, act, you're, not, you're not a child of God. You're actually an, an, uh, you're an orphan. If that's the case, um, have you ever asked God to make himself real to you? I mean, really real. And to bridge the distance. Have you ever asked God, in the language of our text, to testify to you very personally and speak to your spirit, your human spirit, that you are a child of God. Why do I bring that up? Look at verses 15 and 16 together. Here we read this from Romans 8. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Mm -mm. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What does it mean, heir? What's well, an heir of eternal life? Not only that you're a child now, but the time is going to come when you enter into glory and you remain his child. 
Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, you will find teachers teaching on adoption, and they speak about, you know, the focus is on Jesus as well it should, because it's Jesus, and it's through faith in Jesus, that we actually enter into this adoptive relationship where God is our Father, and we are His sons and His daughters. But sometimes, we miss the boat in terms of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that actually, now that I think about it, would be a really good extensive series for us at Pathway, really looking at what one theologian once called the forgotten person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, right? And according to this text, what this text does is this. It says, okay, in Christ we are adopted, and it lays forth the teaching of adoption, as other places in the Bible do. But then comes the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to appropriate this teaching for ourselves and then experience it at a very deep level. And I don't know if you've ever had that before where, where you know, it was, it was a time when you were very down or maybe it's a time that you were depressed. Maybe it's a time now, I don't know. Or it's a time when you were very physically ill and you didn't know what God was doing with you. Um, or maybe on a more positive level, it was in the context of worship, and it was a worship experience where, where either in the depths of difficulty or in the heights of praise, you just sense that, you know what, God is true, He is my Father, and I am loved, and I am His son, and I am His daughter. If that is the case, if you experience that, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit makes that possible in our lives indirectly as we read the Bible, and then He combines with the truths of the Bible and illumines, brings light to the things that we read in the Bible, thus confirming, yes, I am a child of God. And sometimes, sometimes it happens very, very directly, where the Spirit directly testifies to our spirits that, you know what? I am. I am a child of God. And we should never be ashamed to talk in that kind of way. And when you experience that, that indeed is a very beautiful thing. Now, I want to I draw to a close here. And I want to say this. Um, some pa- this past week, some friends of ours and some people from um, our former church in Phoenix lost a son. Um, he was only 27 years old. And he died of COVID. Um, And it it was, of course, it was a shock to them. And when Joy and I got the news, it was a shock to us. And we we knew these individuals well. And um, he had an enlarged heart. And I don't know if that enlarged heart was a pre-existing condition um, or if that enlarged heart came from COVID. There's so many things about COVID we don't know yet. But anyway, the point is, it was the COVID did have some kind of effect on him, and he was not feeling for well for a time, and he was being taken to urgent care at one point, and while he was being taken to urgent care, he just slipped away. He just unexpectedly died. Now, that's not a happy story, but, you know, it's, it's during times like these where... The, the, the teaching of adoption becomes more than just a teaching. You know, whether we confess it from the Bible or the catechism, it becomes more than just a teaching. But it's during these dark, dark times where through the loss of children or the loss of other loved ones or deep, deep, dark pits, where, where the Lord in these quiet times assures us, you know what, you are not alone. I am your father, 
I always have been your father, and I always will be your father, and I will never, ever let you go. If you have never known this comfort, then you know what the Bible says? It says, draw near to Jesus. <laughs> draw near to Jesus. And, and he, will, he will make this real in your life. And if you say, well, you know what? There's a time in my life where I did experience that and I walked closely with the Lord. And boy, I knew he was my father and I, I was his son or daughter and I walked closely with him. But I can't say that's the case right now. If that eludes you, then, you know, the Bible does say, and here's where the Holy Spirit comes into play again. It says, when you pray, then pray directly for the Holy Spirit, right? To make your adoptive status real and beautiful so you can serve the Lord with integrity. And if you say, you know what? I always, I always knew that I was a child of God. I, I always viewed myself as a Christian and walking with Christ, albeit imperfectly, but I always knew that I was adopted children of God. If you can say that, and praise God, right? Then just ask the Lord to intensify that, to intensify that, and that would be expressed in your life and expressed in your worship in your heart of gratitude. After all, there are few joys and there are few comforts that are greater than that, right? So with that in mind, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, this morning we thank you for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. And we do that again for the gospel of adoption. And Father, we also thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. For Lord, it's your spirit that makes the reception and the enjoyment of that adoption possible. So Lord, we simply pray for this. Lord, we, we pray for the Holy Spirit as Jesus teaches us. If um, if earthly fathers give good gifts to their children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So, O Holy Spirit, we draw upon you as the third person of the Holy Trinity to descend, to make Christ real to us, to make our relationship with the Father more personal to us. And we pray that you would testify directly to our spirits or indirectly through the Scripture that we are blessed children of God. And Father, if we are here this afternoon, we've never known that, then we pray that you would sovereignly intervene in a very powerful and a beautiful way to make that clear to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.